welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log, Day 107, Seek Beauty. Last weekend, I was walking through a little park downtown in a nearby city to where I live with the girl that I'm dating. And there was a piece of art, or quote-unquote art, outside of this park, right right on the border. And it was this sort of, it was the shape of a rainbow, but it was very wavy, right? It was distorted. The rainbow was distorted. And I made this sort of casual, offhand remark about it, about it being ugly. And she came to the defense of this piece of art, saying, well, why does it have to be art, uh, ugly? What's, what's wrong with this piece of art? And then we started talking about it. We started talking about the, the concept of what makes art beautiful. And I took the stance of classical beauty, right? And this should be no surprise to you, right? Me, being an Orthodox Christian and being an artist, would come to the defense of traditional beauty. She, on the other hand, was saying that art doesn't necessarily have to be classically beautiful or to be visually interesting or maybe that there isn't any inherent value in traditional beauty. And we started talking about it. And I started arguing that to use one's sensory perceptions to define beauty is a classically relativistic view, right? It's a very relativistic way to see things. And that the endorsement of things, visual things, right? Art, fashion, that are not beautiful, inherently beautiful, is to fall into the trap of the devil, right? And ultimately ended up convincing her about it. But the reason I'm bringing this up is, as usual, to start the philog with a story, right? I like to start them with, with a story to kind of get you warmed up, get you into the mind space of what we'll be talking about today, which of course is beauty, right? I've entitled today's philog Seek Beauty. This is the kind of topic that might seem less important to you, right? As a man living the Warrior King life, you might be concerned predominantly with practical things, right? And you might say, you know, I'll leave beauty to the artists. I'm concerned with building wealth, building my body, developing my craft. Ironically, in some cases, we'll touch on beauty. But building my mind, building my relationships, worshiping God. And it's going to be my aim over the next 20-something minutes to convince you that seeking beauty is a very practical pursuit, right? That this is something that's fundamental to our lives as warrior kings. And as men, oftentimes, if you're not explicitly an artist, things of the artistic world, things of beauty won't seem interesting to you. And I'm going to hope to change that over the next, like I said, 20 minutes. Now, seeking beauty, the, the things we'll be talking about today, the first thing I'm going to try to do is define beauty. We're going to talk about what beauty is why it matters, why should you be seeking it, right? Why is this worth your time? And ultimately, I will give some techniques on how you might do that. Now, for once, I actually have some credibility on this. I've been making art for about 14 years. I'm a musician, right? And I've brought this up once or twice, right? Before I got into, in front of the microphone to start talking about masculinity or my ideas of masculinity, I was a musician, right? I studied vocal performance, at university, this is something very near and dear to my heart, and I'm hoping that it will be to you as well by the time we're done here. But as with all discussions, we sort of have to start at the beginning, right? We have to start with beauty. What is beauty? 
And before I talk about what beauty is, I want to talk about what beauty isn't. Right? One thing that you hear a lot is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's not true. Let's start there. Beauty is a transcendental, right? It's something that transcends the material world. It's an abstract idea, like truth, like goodness. And if you've read any philosophy, you'll notice that I'm just naming the transcendentals here, the three transcendentals that are ascribed to God by classical philosophy. Beauty is like that. Now, the problem we have with identifying what beauty is, most of us at least, is that we equate beauty with attractiveness, right? We think that something that's visually appealing, that's appealing in sound to us, that, you know, pleases our senses has to be beautiful. Now, that isn't always the case. And there's an easy explanation for that. As human beings living in a fallen world, we have distorted senses. We often know, or sometimes maybe, depends on how you want to look at it, what is beautiful, but sometimes we don't. Right? We have, and one of the examples I gave when I was talking to the girl that I'm seeing was very graphic, so I'm hoping that I'm not stepping over the line here, but if you take something like pornography, for example, right? Let's say a young boy falls under the great misfortune of being introduced to pornography, right? This has happened to many young men in the modern world. We've talked about this before. Pornography is the iconography of the devil, right? It's definitely something that's very harmful. But let's say a young young man is confronted with that. And at first, the pornography he seeks out will be very plain. And I'm going to try to keep it as vague as I can. But over time, he will th- seek out things that are more and more extreme, right? Your senses of what is sexually desirable are going to be continued continue to be twisted further and further and further until eventually the things that bring you sexual gratification will be far and beyond perverted by completely twisted from what God had intended for this expression of human intimacy, right? Now, the same is true of beauty, right? We used to live in a world where an artist could not just make whatever he wanted, right? There's this very famous factoid that I like to quote that there was a a vote among art critics and whatever that means nowadays. As uh, Father Seraphim Rose says, the art critic's role nowadays is just to explain rather than critique, right? Because you can't critique art anymore because it's in the eye of the beholder. Well, there was this contest in the 1900s, the 20th century, to vote for the most influential piece of art in the 20th century. And the piece that won is called Dijon's Urinal, right? A man fancying himself an artist, found a urinal in a, in a bathroom and said, this would make a great piece of art, took it off the wall, put it into a, an, a museum, and everyone marveled at his daring, right? all the while not realizing that what he was truly doing was attacking the very concept of beauty. So it's evident, at least it appears to me, that the human eye is not the standard of beauty. right? It's not just the things that are attractive to us. Now, it's often the case that things that are beautiful are attractive to us. That does happen. Very often so, in fact. I would say the healthier the human person is in his spirit, right, in his nose, the healthier that person's understanding of beauty would be. That person would be more inclined to see truly beautiful things as beautiful and less beautiful things as less beautiful. So we're starting to get closer to a definition here. And of course, the definition that I've been dancing around, and I'll just come out and say it at this point, is that beauty is anything that's holy, right? Anything that's of God, anything that is in its purpose, in harmony, if you will, right? There are certain principles 
of beauty and art. Take an easy example, take nature for example, right? If you see, let's say, a leopard, a leopard would be very beautiful. The sleek lines, the proportions. If you look at a, a conch shell, right, those sort of Fibonacci sequence spirals, they're very beautiful. If you look at a mountain range, if you look at a forest, if you look at naturally occurring rock formations, all of these things are very beautiful. And then if you look at man-made art, that which represents nature and the natural beauty that God has presented us, right? Of course, God is the greatest artist. We sort of imitate God when we make art, right? We attempt to to make something beautiful as well. And of course, we're just rearranging the things God gave us. But if you think about a beautiful sculpture, for example, of of the human form, like David, or if you look at a, a an icon, an icon is very beautiful, even though it's slightly, you know, stylized, it's still beautiful. So beauty is anything that's holy, and specifically in how we perceive it in our sensory perception, right? So visually, anything that is good, anything that is true, right? A mathematical formula can be beautiful. These things are beauty. Now, when it expresses itself in art, it's usually things that represent the world as it is or capture a particularly visually appealing aspect. So you can see that visual appeal, right? Sensory pleasure is closely linked to beauty, especially if the person perceiving it is is healthy. But you cannot say that beauty is that which pleases us visually because that's relativistic. And beauty being a transcendental is an objective thing that we pursue when we make art. Now, I know that that wasn't particularly definitive. And I purposefully didn't look up definitions of beauty before I did this to try to give a more organic answer. And, And maybe, you know, talk to your friends about this, talk to your priest about this, talk to some artists about this who believe in objective beauty, and you might come closer to the idea of what beauty truly is. Now, with that out of the way, the question that presents itself naturally is, why should we seek beauty? Right? Why am I wasting your time on a, what is it? This episode's coming out on a Saturday. Why am I wasting your time on a Saturday morning talking about or trying to convince you of the need to pursue beauty? Well, it's quite simple. In the modern world, atheism is characterized by its brutal practicality. And I'm all for practicality. Of course, I think that atheistic practicality is a perversion of true practicality. Whereas religion and the pursuit of God is often characterized by, in some ways, you could say a lack of practicality, right? There isn't really a materialistic, practical reason to worship the way we do, right? If you think about an Orthodox worship, for example, for those of you who are Orthodox, and for if you're not, you know, look up a liturgy online, you'll see this, or better yet, go visit your Orthodox church nearby. If you look at the, the worship, it's all sung. The vestments on the priests are beautiful. There's icons hanging everywhere. We have incense that smell pleasantly, right? We are trying to encounter beauty himself. Right? This is really the crux of it, is you cannot be a man living the warrior king life and not seek out beauty because the first commitment, in essence, is to beauty. Right? There's this idea in traditional philosophy that God is truth, beauty, and goodness. It's called the three transcendentals. Now, disclaimer, usual disclaimer, I'm not a priest, I'm not a theologian. I'm not entirely sure if, if there's any orthodox teaching against this, but as far as I can tell, this is absolutely true. Of course God is beauty. Right? God fashions all things that are beautiful. Everything that is beautiful is holy. Everything that's unholy is ugly. Right? There's a saying that 
The devil can't make hell attractive, so he makes the road to hell attractive. So that which the devil truly is, is eternal damnation in hell, is ugly. Whereas God is beautiful. As we can see in the worship, right? There's this famous story about the Orthodox, or well, not the Orthodox, the Russian uh, emissaries before they were Orthodox, coming into an Orthodox church for the first time in Greece, and when reporting back to Prince Vladimir saying, it was so beautiful, we didn't know if we were in heaven or on earth. So true beauty is a reflection of God. It's a reflection of goodness, right? It's a reflection of truth. Now, there's a fantastic book on this, and I'll be sure to link it in show notes for you. It's called Beauty, just called Beauty, by Sagmeister and Walsh, right? I think they're either art critics or interior designers, and they make an argument for what's been lost in modern art. And of course, they're still in some ways influenced by modernism. But they make an argument that beauty is practical, right? If you think about brutalist architecture from the Soviet Union, in its attempt to be as efficient as possible, the Soviet Union threw up all of these ugly brown concrete boxes for people to live in. And they were so soul-crushing. Living in them was so soul-crushing that people would try to decorate them inside as best as they could. And of course, after the Soviet Union fell, people fled those buildings. They now sit empty. They're vacant. The human soul thirsts after beauty. Beauty is practical. You don't want to live in an ugly place, as the Soviet Union proved, right? In its attempt to kill God, it just proved that goodness and beauty and God are necessary for human life. Another argument that's found in the book is that having a desk plant, right? Just a little bit of nature on your desk will make you happier and will make you work harder. To the point where if you don't have a plant on your desk, if you take a little break from work and you just pull up pictures of a forest, just look at like National Geographic or something for five minutes, that will invigorate you, increase your mood, and make you more productive for the next hour or so when you're working. So evidently, even if all you're after is output, which you shouldn't be, but even if it were, beauty still serves a purpose. So as a man, seeking out beauty is not only part of your religious pursuit, but surrounding yourself with beauty is going to have practical implications for your productivity, right? Over my shoulder right now as I'm recording this, there are five icons right across my desk, right? There's an icon of St. Herman of Alaska, there's an icon of the Theotokos and Christ, there's an icon of the royal martyrs, right, Sir Nicholas and his family, there's an icon of Christ by himself, and then there's an icon of the three angels from the Old Testament who were a representation of the Trinity. These are gorgeous icons, right, these are Russian-style icons with the gold foil and the beautiful art style, so I try to surround myself with beauty as much as I can, even though I'm a minimalist, right, there's a balance there. We do have some episodes talking about Spartan living, but in my workplace, in the little corner where my desk is, I try to have beauty there. So beauty serves a function. But it's not just about the practical implications of beauty. The function of beauty is inherent, right? You don't worship God, for example. You don't worship God because of what he can do for you. You worship God because seeking good is what we are meant to do. It is the purpose of our existence. It's the purpose of our life. And God is not just Truth and goodness, he's also beauty. So seeking out beauty in your daily life, celebrating beauty is good, right? The same is true of, of when you're looking for a wife, right? A lot of times people in, in the Christian circles will say that if you're trying to select your wife purely based on looks, then you're shallow. And you hear this in the regular culture too. Well, maybe purely based on looks, absolutely. But having visual beauty as a requirement is biblical, right? When I think it was 
Jacob, when he encountered Rachel, if you, if you look this up in the Old Testament, I think it's Genesis, it said that he saw her form and her form was pleasing to the eye, right? Her form was beautiful. So the reason he wanted to marry Rachel, firstly, was her visual beauty. So this is something, and, and of course God was helping him overcome his, his evil uh, father-in-law who tried to get him to marry the older sister, and then he did, and then he had to work another seven years and all that. And of course, I'm a little fuzzy on the details because God forgive me, but my understanding of the scriptures isn't as good as it should be. But he sought out visual beauty in his wife. So seeking out beauty in your life is, is good because it represents what God is, it has practical implications. The attack on beauty, which we'll talk about tomorrow, is a tool that the devil is using to tear down everything that represents God, right? If you think about an Orthodox church, and again, if you're not Orthodox and you haven't seen one, look it up. Orthodox churches are gorgeous. They are absolutely gorgeous. They are the most beautiful buildings in the world. Of course, in order to represent, God, represent God's glory, God's magnificence, we lean on visual beauty a lot. We lean on auditory beauty, right? Church hymns are hauntingly beautiful many times, right? One of my favorite renditions is the Byzantine rendition of Gladsome Light. It's gorgeous. Or the Cherubic hymn, absolutely beautiful. So those things which represent the purpose for our existence, God, are beautiful. So seeking out beauty, even if it's not explicitly pointing to God, always implicitly points to God. One of my favorite things to do, right? First date I went on with the girl I was referencing earlier in the episode was to a museum, right? It's the North Carolina Museum of Art. And we went specifically to the classical art section, right? I don't want to see this modern garbage. I want to see classical beauty, right? We saw the sculptures, we saw the paintings. Seeking out beauty in your day-to-day life, right? Some of these sculptures, they're just... Men, right? Muscular men, which of course, the shape of the athlete is beautiful, crafted by God, of course. But that doesn't, isn't, it's not explicitly Christian art, but all art that's beautiful is implicitly Christian art. So I hope that that is in some ways compelling to you, that seeking out beauty in small ways and big ways is useful for you, right? Seek it out in the liturgy, seek it out in your worship. If you have a Bible, get a beautiful copy. Spend some extra time for maybe the gold foil and the pretty print and those kinds of things. When you're getting icons, setting up your icon corner, don't just haphazardly toss your icons, and of course not literally, but just arrange them whichever way. Pick a layout that's visually pleasing. Get some help from someone who's artistic if you struggle with this. Go to liturgy. Dress well. When you go to church, put on a suit. If it's hot, put on a short sleeve button down at least. Right? Seeking out beauty. When it comes to, to stewardship, right? Arranging your, your space, even if it's simplistic, right? My apartment is very simplistic, but things are still neat. They're tidy. If I'm going to buy something, like my couches are more classic. They're not like Ikea couches. They have the swirls and the patterns and those kinds of things in the wood. Seek out beauty in that. Body, right? Of course, a lot of times we talk about the practical reasons you should train, but building a body that's beautiful is also inherently good. Right? There's nothing wrong with building a beautiful body as long as it doesn't lead to vanity. Right? And I'm sure your future wife will really appreciate it if she finds you visually appealing. Right? That's good. Craft, of course. The things that we craft, if you're a musician, that's beauty. 
If you're a painter, that's beauty. If you carve wood, all of that, that's beauty. Now, some of the crafts you might partake in, like for me, one of the things that falls under the craft category is this podcast. Not necessarily beautiful in and of itself, right? You don't listen to this and say, oh, the harmonies are amazing. But many things that we pursue in our craft pursuits are beautiful. Mind, right? If you're learning a language, maybe you're drawn to that language because it's beautiful, like French or Arabic or Russian or whatever. It's, it's appealing to you, the sound of it. Or maybe you're reading poetry. That's beautiful. Right? Even in relationships, when you have relationships with somebody, you know, platonic, familial, romantic, just that connection itself has beauty. Maybe not visual, but it's still beautiful because it's good. So seeking out beauty in your day-to-day life is very good for you. It's good for your soul. It's something you should do. So with that all out of the way, how do you seek out beauty? And I think the examples I just gave sort of sum it up. Well, I'll give some more specific examples, some easy ways to start. Your phone wallpaper. Pick something beautiful. My phone wallpaper right now is a picture of Sar Nicholas that's been colored in, right? The pictures of him are usually black and white. It's him in his military regalia looking very beautiful, very handsome. If you have a desk, right? Your desktop wallpaper, make that beautiful. My desktop wallpaper is an Orthodox church interior. It's an icon-covered wall inside of an Orthodox church. Surround your desk in icons. Get some art, put it on your walls, right? These are small ways you can start. When you dress yourself, wear clothes that fit well, that have nice fabrics. Adorn your body within reason, right? We are warned in the scriptures about vanity, right? You don't want to adorn yourself too much. There's something to be said for modesty. But if you're going to, let's say, buy a dress for your wife or somebody, make sure that it's beautiful. You know, it can still be modest and beautiful. It's possible. These kinds of things. And again, double check this all with your priest, right? It's very possible that I'm off base here in some of these recommendations. But one thing I can say confidently is go to museums, right? Watch beautiful movies. Man of God, right? is a gorgeous movie, not just visually, but also the story, those kinds of things. Go to the museum and look at the classical art. That's beauty. So there are lots of ways for you to seek out beauty. Go to nature. Go on a hike up a mountain. Take some pictures up there. Share them with people. Interact with beauty. Seek out beauty. Know that beauty is something that your soul needs. It's medicine for your soul. So think about those things today, right? This is one of those moments where I want you to pull out your phone. I want you to pause this episode. I want you to make a quick note to plan one event this week, just one. Maybe text your boys. Maybe text your, or call your girlfriend or your fiance or your wife, your family or whoever, your godfather, godmother, and say, hey, let's go to the museum today. You know, when was the last time we just went to look at beautiful things? Let's go do that today. And try to think of some ways today to seek out more beauty more consistently in your life if it's something that you're not doing, right? If you're listening to a lot of modern music, right? Of course, this is something that I'm unfortunately drawn to. I like a lot of, you know, trap music and and metal music and those kinds of things. But listen to some classical music. How about this? Listen to Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker this week. It's a gorgeous ballet. The music is fantastic. Listen to those kinds of things. Especially the the Russian composers, right? Being Orthodox, have a lot of good stuff. There's a quote from Dostoevsky 
the author, the Russian author, who said that beauty will save the world. And I believe that that's absolutely true. Because the ugliness of war, violence, nihilism, those kinds of things, can only be offset by him who is beauty, Christ. In fact, Christ has already saved the world. Beauty has already saved the world. But it will continue to do so if you let it. So whatever it is you're doing with your time, however, however it is that you're living your life, this week and going forward, you have to commit yourself to seeking beauty. That's it for this week's field log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day. <laughs>